0: What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Turner, back here with another special episode. Man, it feels like it's been a long time. I haven't done a podcast since the NC State preview, and a lot of stuff's been going on since that loss to NC State this past weekend. Uh, Definitely a tough game for the Tar Heels, definitely a game in which Carolina had a lot of opportunities to win. Carolina arguably should have won that game in in some ways as well. You think you could definitely make a case for that. But um, let me first explain that I chose not to do uh, an NC State review podcast for a couple reasons. A, I really didn't have time, you know, having been interning and working with Tar Heel Illustrated, I've been covering Mac Brown a lot recently, Roy Williams with the basketball team's big game tonight against Michigan, which we will talk about a little bit later at the end of the show. And um, I had the pleasure of being in Mac Brown's press conference yesterday. So a lot to talk about. That's what this episode is mainly going to be about, is the Mac Brown appointment and what my kind of takeaways were from Larry Fedora's era as well. But mainly the Mac Brown appointment and what I think he can bring to this North Carolina football program. Um, and second reason I didn't do an NC State uh, review pod was because there really wasn't a lot to talk about. It, Like I've been doing for most of the season, I started this podcast a few games into the year. I believe I started with the Miami game, if I'm not mistaken. So I haven't done every single game this year, but it's kind of gotten redundant over the probably the final four or five games of the year because I was just kind of coming on here and saying the same thing. You know, Carolina was losing games the same way they always did. They were in the game until late and then in the fourth quarter or overtime they would find a way to lose. They would self destruct. They would shoot themselves in the foot, if you want to call it that. So I chose not to do an NC State review pod. I didn't think there was much to talk about. Uh, It was cool covering the game and seeing the players and talking to Coach Fedora for the last time as a North Carolina football coach and seeing the little brawl after the game, which I did call, by the way. I've been saying it for four or five weeks, not on here, uh, but to my dad and to to my friends that eventually Carolina, these players are going to get fed up after losing in the fourth quarter like they always do, and they're just going to start throwing punches and just fighting and, you know, with, it was kind of the perfect recipe with the, in a rivalry game against State and then the way in which Carolina lost in overtime. But looking at the video and looking at that fight, I think it, both teams were equally responsible. I initially thought State started the fight. But looking back at it, I think it was honestly kind of a mutual thing. I think both teams, you know, scoring like that, Carolina's frustrated. Big, a lot of emotions, rivalry game for State as well. And I think it, things just escalated. But no big deal. Did announce that four players will be suspended. Somehow two seniors are suspended, uh, Jeremiah Clark being one of them. And I can't remember who the other one was. It doesn't really matter. I don't know how you can suspend guys who are not eligible to play in the NCA anymore. But that's just what the NCAA does. They love making some questionable decisions, to say the least. And that's another whole podcast in itself. But uh, Miles, no, excuse me, not Miles Dorn, Patrice Renee, and Dominique Ross will actually miss the first half of the South Carolina game next year year next season to open the the year because of that fight so disappointing to see that carolina is starting another season and a new era with suspensions again hopefully one year we'll be able to have everybody on the field during the first game um, don't know when that'll happen it hopefully mac brown can turn that around because larry Fedora sure didn't know how to handle that but got to give credit to larry Fedora for how he navigated carolina through the NCAA investigation everything was going on and unfortunately the past two years just kind of started to derail everything a little bit and I think it was time for Fedora to go so real quick like I just did a, a little bit I want to touch on Fedora and his legacy at Carolina you know Fedora is a guy I'm 23 years old right now so in 2012 uh, about seven years ago I was 16 17 when Larry Fedora came in so I kind of got to see his era I was you know a person, a teenager at that time that could understand things for the most part. Definitely not as mature as I am now, but I understood how difficult the job was and what Carolina was going through and kind of what they needed. And I think for the most part, Larry Fedora did a fantastic job up until last year, 2017. And even after that Duke loss in 2016, if you look back, that's when the everything just started derailing. I think since that game, Carolina's like 21. They've lost 21 out of their last 27 games. I've been saying it for a while now, but... You know, if you only win six out of 27 games, you're, if you're only good at your job, you know, 20, 30% of the time, doesn't matter what you're doing, you're probably going to get fired for it. And based on what Bubba Cunningham, the athletic director at North Carolina, said, based on some of Mac Brown's comments, based on the release that Fedor put out, everybody had a lot of love and admiration for Coach Fedor and what he did for the program, including Bubba, including Mac, who Mac Brown was kind of like a mentor to Larry. Um, obviously, Larry being a Texas guy where he kind of would grew up in, uh, went to school, and then Mack Brown being in Texas for a long time as well. Definitely got a connection there. I know Mack Brown was here in August and got to see some of the team, which hopefully will bode well going into you know his era at North Carolina since he already knows some of the guys and what this team uh, is capable of. But overall, I think Larry Fedora did a fantastic job his first year, You know, winning the Coastal, even though it didn't count because of the NCAA suspensions, and then winning uh, having one of Carolina's best seasons since the Mack Brown era. Um, in that eleven and three year when Carolina was a onside kick away from, from potentially being in the in the uh, college football playoff, so Larry Fedora did a fantastic job, and I don't know what the reason was. I think a lot of things kind of went wrong over the past few years. I think Larry Fedora's relationship with in-state coaches uh, at the high school level definitely didn't help. Carolina really struggling recruiting right now. I think yesterday they were ranked 69th in the. Uh, College football, BCS landscape, or excuse me, F- FBS landscape uh, in recruiting at rivals.com. And I think I looked today and they were back down to 71st because of a few decommitments after Fedora being fired. And I think Carolina's worst class since people have started keeping track, and I believe that started in 2002, was ranked like 44th. And that was during John Bunning's reign, I believe. So Carolina's recruiting is really, really taking a hit. There wasn't a lot of buzz around the program. You could, I mean, I was at the state game in the press box. A ton of press there, but you know, looking out there, there was more State fans, and they were louder than the Carolina fans half of the time. Really wasn't a buzz around the program. If you were going, no matter if you were a diehard fan or not, if you were at Kenan Stadium, you were expecting this team to lose for the most, most part. I think I know I was. I think that kind of crept into the players as well. I think they started expecting to lose because that's all they'd really known for two years. And like Bubba Cunningham kind of said in his press release when he announced that Fedora was gone, he kind of said this. This program just needs to go in a new direction. No hard feelings towards Larry Fedora. He did a fantastic job for his first arguably five years here. And then, you know, in his final two, things kind of fell apart, like we said, and like we all know. And I think it was time for a change. I think Carolina needed a jolt of energy. And I think Mac Brown, who I was a little bit skeptical of at first coming in, I think he might be. And right now, you know, I mean, he's obviously a great salesman being at his press conference. I was really impressed. You know, he definitely sold me the program. I would have committed that right then and there if I was a player, but I think Mac Brown. Now that I've got to know him, do a little more research on him, because I mean, when he was coaching at Carolina from 1988 to 1997, I mean, I was born in 1995, so I I always associated Mac Brown with Texas. You know, in 2005 when they won the national championship with Vince Young, one of the best uh, national championship games, if not the best national championship game of all time. I was only was 13 years ago. You know, I'm a I'm a 10-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid, so for me, I always associated Mac Brown with Texas, but the fact that he retired five years ago, you know, when I'm only 17, 18 years old, means that I didn't really get to see a lot of Mac Brown, I mean, Mac Brown was at Texas, I didn't care about Texas, I've always been a Carolina fan, I've always followed Carolina, I've always followed ACC football, and East Coast type of football, but never really focused on Texas, Big 12, West Coast style stuff. It's never really just been something that's interested me. So I didn't really know a lot about Mac Brown except his legacy in North Carolina and how successful he was in his 10, 11 year uh, reign in Chapel Hill. Oh, excuse me. I guess it'd be nine year reign from 88 to 97. My math isn't very good, but Mac Brown, I think right now He's what Carolina needed. They needed a guy who's going to come in and recruit in-state very well. Mac Brown has proven he can do that. That'll be his, like he said in his press conference yesterday, that'll be his first goal is to get North Carolina back on the map in terms of getting in-state guys, the best in-state players to come to UNC. And I think Mac Brown will do a great job. And if you look at schools across North Carolina now, East Carolina with what they've got going on there, Scottie McGrumby, they're not going to threaten Carolina recruiting. They shouldn't. NC State with Dave Doran is probably the most threatening, but you know Dave Doran's a a mid midwest kind of guy. He's not. He was in Northern Illinois first. He's not a guy who's an East Coast guy. He's not a North Carolina State guy. So he, I think, now that Mac Brown is here, he sh- Carolina should, if Mac Brown can recruit, recruit like we know he can, catapult themselves back up to the top of the most desirable school to play football in North Carolina. Mac Brown should be able to beat out the likes of Doran, Scotty Montgomery, if he's even still going to beat East Carolina, and David Cutliffe. You know, David Cutliffe's done a good job of recruiting guys that fit his system, but Duke should not be threatening North Carolina with any of the top recruits in the state. It just shouldn't happen. It just shouldn't happen. So I think Mac Brown, from the outside looking in, if you just look at North Carolina, brand new indoor facility, one of the nicest stadiums and locations of a stadium in the in college football. Sure, some of the facilities need upgrading. Locker rooms, media rooms, TV, whatever. They could use some upgrading like most schools across the country. The new indoor facility is one of the best in the country and the collegiate or professional level. Now you bring in a guy who's a Hall of Famer, a proven winner, I'm going to go through his track record and his resume, as I like to call it here in a second. Carolina should not have a problem recruiting down the line in the next two, three years. Even I would, I, my prediction right now, I said it to my my dad yesterday, is that I think, and don't be surprised if Carolina, even before December, in the next month, before guys have to start signing, uh, the early signing day if they want to, don't be surprised to see Mac Brown pick up a, a three, high three star, maybe a low four star. And definitely don't be surprised to see when the last period for signing day comes in February and March, I believe it is, don't be don't ex- don't be surprised to see Mac Brown have a four star guy, maybe even have a five star guy. Maybe not this year, but Mac Brown will recruit five. So he'll get occasional five star guys in here, and especially from in state because I think Mac Brown is, has the ability to sell a program. He's always had that. That's why he was so successful first at Carolina um, for from eighty eight to ninety seven, about twenty years ago. It's kind of crazy to think it was twenty years ago, but Mac Brown is a guy that. To kind of sum it all up, he can do the job. He's proven he can do the job as a Hall of Fame guy. And the fact that he loves Carolina has such a strong connection to it. I mean, he said yesterday that him and his wife would have either gone to coach in Hawaii, the Bahamas, or Chapel Hill. So Mac Brown wants to be here. And I think that's really exciting. And if he can just put a good staff together, and which he will, he shouldn't have a problem doing that. And I think Carolina's program, with the talent that's on this roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball next year, I think Carolina's got an ability to to really do some good things in the ACC next year as well, especially with how down the coast it was this season. So it's going to be interesting to see how quickly things turn around. I'm hoping they do turn around quickly, and I'm hoping Mac Brown does a great job. But like you said, guys, I was thought Fedora was the man three years ago, and things quickly derailed. So in college football, in coaching, you never know what can happen. You know, never know how successful somebody's going to be. But from the outside looking in, I think Mac Brown was the right hire, like I said, even though I was a little bit skeptical about it at first. I think Mac Brown was the right guy based on who was available out there, based on his connections to Carolina, and based on the respect, the salesman-like attitude and personality he has, and the buzz that he'll automatically bring back to North Carolina football makes him the guy, I think, at least for the next five. He signed a five-year contract, maybe five to eight years. I think he has the ability to really steady the ship here and get us going on an upward trajectory. So hopefully when he does retire, he is 67 years old. He's not going to coach, you know, for 10, 20 years. Once he does retire, hopefully someone can step in and, and keep us our program on an upward trajectory. So it's really interesting to see how things continue to change now that Mac Brown's in charge. And real quick, I just want to focus and talk about Mac Brown more specifically as a person, as a coach. Um, he signed a five-year contract yesterday. If you just look at his resume, it's it's amazing. 2005 BCS National Champion. Two-time Big 12 Champion. Six-time Big 12 South Division Champion. 1996 ACC Coach of the Year. 2005 Paul Bear Bryant Award winner. 2008 Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year Award winner. Two-time Big 12 Coach of the Year. And 2018 College Football Hall of Fame Inductee. I mean, the list just goes on and on. This guy's a winner. This guy's done it everywhere. He's a guy that's Coached at a lot of different places, Tulane, Appalachian State, North Carolina, and then had that 15-year stint at Texas. And he's brought success everywhere he's gone. I know his final two years at Texas weren't the best, but I think a lot of that had to do with just kind of the direction the program was going in in general. I don't think Texas was a hot destination really anymore. At that moment, I think they started to work self back into prominence, but I think it wasn't really necessarily Mac Brown's fault that they started to falter a little bit in his two years. And it probably was a little bit down to you know him having coached you know for forty years straight. He just needed a break, and I think Mac Brown, being out of job from two thousand thirteen to now, will be a lot more rejuvenated, will be a lot more gung ho, and will miss everything about it like he admitted at the press conference. And I think that just bodes well for North Carolina in general. I speak specifically real quick. It's a tough word to say on the financial terms. Five year contract from Mac Brown, like I've stated, base salary of about seven hundred fifty thousand per year. Uh, supplemental compensation, about two million dollars per year. So that's probably money from boosters, stuff like that. Nike, uh, two hundred thousand dollar contract per year. That's pretty cool. I didn't know Nike was paying coaches. I, fi- I figured they were, but I didn't realize they were getting that big chunk of change from them. Um, Learfield, who does all the radio coverage for North Carolina, uh, five hundred thousand dollars per year. So big chunk of change from them, and uh, expenses as well, fifty thousand per year. So you know, Mac Brown, he doesn't have to pay for anything. He's a he's a football coach at Carolina, so. You know, with this contract, if you're looking at that, just doing some quick math in my head, uh, that's three. That's close to about. That's really close to four million. It's like three point five million, three point seven five million dollars, um, with uh, per year, pretty much with everything that kind of goes into it. And it's crazy to think that his base salary at Carolina is only at seven hundred fifty thousand. So these guys make a lot of money. It just comes from other places that you might, you know, not think of. So, Mac Brown's contract, it's not huge five-year contract. He's not making, you know, um, $10,000, $10 million a year, whatever you want to call it, it's like guys uh, in the SEC can make. I'm thinking of Jimbo Fisher. He's making a ton of money down there at AM per year. But he's making what he needs. He's a guy that you kind of tell he's not here for the money. He loves Carolina. He wanted to get back into coaching. He's already made a ton of money in his time as a coach and as an ESPN anchor. So, he's not worried about the money. He's here to be successful. He's here to to bring this program back to where it was when he was first in, in Chapel Hill about 20 years ago. And I think that bodes well for Carolina going forward and, and for this football program because, like I said, I think that's exactly what they need because this program was starting to falter and was in a, a death spiral, as I like to call it, that needed to be stopped as soon as possible before, before things just got out of hand and before, you you know, you, can, you can, as a program you can get to a point where it's almost like a point of no return, you know, lose so many games you lose so much interest from fans and boosters and donors that nobody really cares. And I think that's what Carolina was going with Fedora in charge. It's a shame that it happened like that. Like Fedora said, he, he hate he hated that it had to end that way, but it did. And, and we're moving on and I'm not here to talk about the past. That's another reason I didn't do a state review. I, I knew and had heard rumors that, that Fedora was definitely gone. So I didn't feel a need to go in here and just talk about the past like I've been doing all season. Want to kind of focus on the future and, and what this program can go and hopefully add a little optimism and bring a little optimism to the table for Carolina fans, you know, having been at Fedora's press conferences, having interviewed players, and having been at Max yesterday, and having seen just what a Hall of Famer looks like, what he does, and if you think about it, Carolina as a school has tons of Hall of Famers, tons of great coaches at the institution, guys that have won national championships, and if you look at the two major sports, you've got two Hall of Famers in Roy Williams and Mac Brown, so it's quite the impressive resume, and, and for me, Carolina should have no problem attracting football recruits to the university because of the academics, because of how good this team can be, and because of the leadership that this program is under now with Mac Brown, and, and I'm assuming the spectacular staff that he will bring in. But real quick, let's look back at Mac Brown's kind of era at Carolina from 1990, excuse me, 1988 to 1997. On uh, his first stint here, he had a 69-46 and one record. Uh, he started off kind of slow. His first two teams were only 1-10 in, uh, in both of those seasons, so it wasn't a great start for Mac Brown. That's some of the worst records ever. I mean, just imagine how bad this year was, and it, it was even worse than the past two seasons under Fedor. So it wasn't a great start for Mac Brown, but Mac really inherited a program that had no clue, had lost its winning mentality had lost its ability to win games it was just a team that was undermanned undersized not good enough quite frankly when it came down to it and they needed a guy to come in and lead to set an example and say hey we're gonna turn this thing around it might not happen today it might not happen tomorrow it might not happen a month from now but we're gonna turn this thing around he did that because everything kind of finally came together in 1992 for Mac Brown and the Tar Heels finished eight and three in that regular season second the ACC and won, actually won the uh, Peach Bowl over Mississippi State, finishing with a 9-3 and record. So great season there, especially, you know, in having gone 1-10 in 1988-1989. In and then being able to kind of turn that around just a few years later. Uh, and then, you know, Brown Coast the Tar Heels, five consecutive bowl games. They were ranked in the AP Top 25 every week from October 1992 through the start of the 95 season. That's really unheard of and spectacular, especially at Carolina. You know, for Alabama and Clemson, it's nothing. But for Carolina, that sounds really good to me right now. I would love for Carolina to be ranked in a poll every single week for three years. That'd be amazing. Uh, They also finished in the final rankings in four out of five years, including two straight appearances in the top 10. Can't even imagine Carolina being in the top 10 nowadays. Even in 2015, I don't even think we got into the top 10. They've also won 10 regular season games in 1993 and 1997. And that's only the second and third time that the Tar Heels had accomplished that at that time. So amazing, really, when you think about it, to see kind of not only how successful Brown was, but to see how Larry Fedora was there and just wasn't able to sustain it. And I think that speaks and helps keeps credit or helps give credit to Mac Brown because of the fact that, you know, he was able to sustain that for three, four years at Carolina instead of just doing it for one year. And then the next year you finish eight and five kind of thing. And Mac Brown, based on what he's done at Carolina before, based on what he brings to the table, like I've said, as a recruiter, as a person, as a leader, gives me a lot of optimism going forward. And I don't want to sit on here and just talk great about Mac Brown, but I've just been really impressed by who he is, by what he's done, and by where I think he can lead this program going forward. So we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what Mac Brown can do as a coach. We'll have to wait and see if he can turn this program around. Because until it's done, we can sit here and talk about it all day and, and think it's going to happen. But until Mac Brown actually goes, starts coaching, starts getting, bringing high level in state recruits and some high level out of state recruits back into Chapel Hill, doesn't really matter what he's done in the past. He's got to do it again. He's got to do it now. And if he can do that, I think that his legacy as a college football coach will only continue to grow. He's only a Hall of Famer. He's got nothing to lose. But one of the things I was a little skeptical about uh, for him coming in was he's already got such a great legacy at Carolina. Obviously, was hindered a little bit by him leaving like he did back in, in 90, 97, 98. But when you think about it, you know, Mac Brown's a guy that if he, I was saying if he comes in and maybe he doesn't do well, maybe he doesn't turn the program around, maybe it just doesn't work out, His legacy's ruined at Carolina, you know? Guys, people don't care what happened 20 years ago. People care about what's happening right now. And the fact that if Mac Brown was to come in and things didn't work out and they were bad and he wasn't able to turn it around, to me his legacy would be ruined for a lot of Carolina fans. And I don't agree with that necessarily. But that was one thing I was a little skeptical of is, is he going to want to take that risk? But I think Mac Brown, looking at how assured of himself he is and looking at how successful he's been, looking at his resume... I don't think that thought has ever crossed Mac Brown's mind that he can't come in here and turn this program around. He said it yesterday. I know this program can win because we've done it before. And I think that just epitomizes how he feels about this Carolina football program and how he feels and where he feels this program should be and where they can go. And I think that bodes well for the fan base, for the players, for recruits, for just the state of the program and and how Carolina is viewed. Because right now, after the past two seasons we've had only winning five games, Carolina's a laughing stock of the ACC Coastal Division, and there's no way around that. They're, besides Louisville, the worst team in the ACC, and even Louisville won more games than Carolina. So it's amazing that Carolina is where it is now. But I'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason, and Carolina had to go through two bad years after two pretty good ones in 15 and 16. Maybe besides the half, uh, the last fourth of that year. Carolina fans had to go through a lot over the past two years. Thank God we got basketball, but now we've got something to be optimistic about. Now we've got something that we can kind of grab a hold of and say, this is ours. This is a guy that embodies everything that there is about Carolina and and UNC Chapel Hill and is a Southern gentleman type of guy as a guy that could sell ice to an Eskimo, as they say. He's just kind of the perfect recipe. It seems like, and even right now I'm laughing at myself kind of saying this because if you would ask me a week ago, I thought it was a horrible appointment, but that was kind of a naive, uninformed brain looking into it and, and kind of making a quick, rapid decision on it. Now, after doing my research, after seeing him in person, after seeing the type of person he is, I think Mac Brown, he's done it before, and I don't see why not, and I don't see why he can't do it again. So we'll see how everything happens. We'll see how everything kind of unfolds over, you know, going into spring practice, going into the start of the 2019 season in Charlotte against South Carolina next year, but I guarantee you there will be a lot more fans at that game than there would have been if Larry Fedora was still in charge and if anybody else is probably still in charge for that fact. So big, big props and respect and admiration for how Bubba Cunningham and Larry Fedora handled the situation and how the school went out and found Mac quickly, hired somebody quickly with the National Signing Day, early National Signing Day, excuse me, in December coming up. Carolina needed to get someone in quick and I think Mac Brown, especially for Carolina fans and diehards and alumni, I think Mac Brown is a perfect hire and it's a perfect hire to get the fan base back on board. And Mac Brown knows that. I mean, he said it yesterday. He took some shots at the fans in a lot of ways and I loved it because I've been preaching it all year. Mac Brown said yesterday that if you like this team, if you support this team, then come show it. Come be loud. Come support the team and don't just support them when they're good. You know, it's hard to get good when there's no one there watching you it's just a lot easier in any sport to play when you have a crowd behind you I mean home field advantage is a real thing we don't have stadiums and play college football games and play sports in general in these 50,000 60 100,000 seater stadiums so it can be empty it's for fans to come and make a noise home field advantage is a real thing I mean why do you think you know Texas A&M is so successful you know with the 12th man why do you think that Alabama I mean Alabama's filling out that stadium I mean, does that have a lot to do with how successful they've been? For sure. But, I mean, Carolina basketball, Roy Williams gets on fans every time he walks in the Smith Center and sees it halfway full because he's looking at the situation and saying, this is Carolina basketball. This is what people love to watch and cheer about and can't wait for every year, and then we can't fill the stadium up. So, if you're a fan, like Mac Brown said yesterday, come out and support. Don't sit at home. Get season tickets. I mean, there's a lot more optimism around this program now. I can understand it looking back at Larry Fedora. I still don't agree with it. I'll be at any game and every game. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care what the record is. I like watching Carolina football. I don't really care. Obviously, I want us to do well, but I don't... Carolina's record is not going to hinder me from showing up at a game. I think Carolina as a fan base as a whole has to get away from that and has to defeat the stigma of a wine and cheese crowd like we always have, have been known. And it starts with the students. It starts with season ticket holders. It starts with... Fans that you know come to a couple of games a year. It starts with everybody. It starts with anybody and everybody that's a Carolina fan that can make games, can be in Chapel Hill on Saturdays, six or seven Saturdays out of the week. So it just starts with everybody, and everybody can help contribute to Carolina. Not only Mac Brown, not only the players, not only the staff, not only the board of trustees, not only the high rollers and donors at the Rams Club. It's everybody. It's from Joe Schmo to Mac Brown. It doesn't matter. Everybody can help this program grow, and it starts with all of us. And I think if we all Kind of take that attitude going forward. This program can get back to where we all want it to be, and where it uh, has also been before. So, if I had to grade the Mac Brown higher I give it a an A, an A. I'm gonna just say an A. I'm not gonna give it a plus and a minus. I'm gonna say an A because it's still we gotta see how things pan out. But from the outside looking in, from what I've seen yesterday, and from what I think Mac Brown can do, I think it's a home run hire potentially. But until Carolina starts playing again, and you know, Maybe after next season, we can kind of look back and say, all right, was this a good high or not? Um, but even off a season, you shouldn't be able to judge because, like I said, Mac Brown started off his first two seasons at Carolina at 1-10. and Granted, it was in a lot worse state, but right now Carolina has the talent on the roster on both sides of the ball, specifically offense, like I said, to do some really good things next year. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly recruiting improves and how quickly Carolina and Mac Brown and his staff can get this thing turned around so that's going to do it for me talking about the Mac Brown appointment in Carolina football season if I had to sum up Carolina football season in one word I'd say frustrating like Fedora said in his press conference after the state game like a lot of players said and I think everything happens for a reason and this was going to happen regardless so the football gods were looking after us for this specific reason or weren't looking after us excuse me for that specific reason it's kind of how I look at it so just going to do it for my talk on football. Please follow us at Carolina Talk Pod on Twitter and leave comments and leave what you think about this podcast. Uh, leave how you think about how you feel about the Mac Brown appointment and where you think he can go and get this program going forward. But really quick, I just want to touch on basketball. Carolina obviously taking on number seven Michigan tonight, ACC Big Team Challenge in Ann Arbor. I know right now Carolina is a 3.5 point underdog to. Uh, the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Michigan, a great team this season. We the Final Four last year. Amazing defensive team. A team that really, really plays hard defense. A team that is going to have to go up and play their best game they played all season in order to win. It's going to be a really hostile environment in Ann Arbor tonight at 930. And honestly, I think Carolina will win. I know I'm holding back on that a little bit. I predicted a win, and it really just because I think I have a good feeling about this team showing up and making getting kind of a statement win. I think this team is better than they showed in Las Vegas by a long way, or they can be better, and I think Roy will have the guys fired up. I think the players will be looking to prove a point. A lot of senior experience on, on UNC as well with Cam, Kenny, and the likes of Luke May, so I think... Those seniors will help lead this team in a hostile environment. They played the in national championship games. It shouldn't be anything for them. And I think the freshmen play well. I think Nazir has a good game. I think Kobe has a really good game again. Having Seventh Woods back will also help out a little bit too. So I think Carolina gets a almost a season defining victory at at Michigan after losing disappointingly to Texas, but bouncing back against UCLA. And I think. Carolina goes up there, and it's it's really, it's really hard for me to say because I'm really torn between this. But for me, my gut feeling is that Carolina gets a win. I will say this, though, if Carolina does lose, don't be surprised, don't be jumping ship, don't be freaking out. It is what it is. It's a really, really tough game against one of the best, if not the best defensive teams in the country in Michigan. Really good coach team as well. So it's a game that Carolina could win. And it's a game that Carolina could very, very easily lose to. But we'll just have to wait and see. And it'll be exciting. And it's always exciting to watch Carolina playing in big games. This is what we love and this is what we enjoy. So it should be fun to watch. But, guys, that's going to do it for me. Podcasting schedule is going to be a little bit different from now on. Obviously, with football season not being around, I'm going to try to pump out a couple a week, try to talk about basketball and try to talk about a little bit maybe of recruiting and football. And we'll cover that a little bit as it starts to heat up and get a little more interesting with Mac Brown now in charge. But mainly the, the next few podcasts will kind of be focused on North Carolina basketball and North Carolina football recruiting more in, in general. So be sure to tune in every week. Follow us at Carolina Talk Pod. And guys, also follow me over at Jacob Turner I uh, started interning for Tar Heel Illustrated, like I mentioned before, and have gotten really good access and have just been able to cover Carolina in a lot better, more professional manner, like I've always wanted to. And it's just been a dream come true. So big shout-out to Andrew Jones over at Tar Heel Illustrated for giving a young 23-year-old kid who just wanted an opportunity, an opportunity, and just means a lot to me, and he's really taught me a lot. And if you haven't, be sure to go check us out at com 24-7 in-depth coverage of North Carolina athletics, football, and basketball specifically. Um, and, and be sure to sign up, too, if you want, you know, access to forums, access to information that you're not going to just find on the internet access to rumors and inside scoop on things that are going on at, across Carolina football and basketball be sure to you know sign up over at rivals.com and I guarantee you won't reg- uh, regret it there's a huge following over there a huge interaction level over there you know really positive interaction between Carolina diehards and fans so would encourage you to head over to northcarolina.rivals.com and check that out and sign up if you haven't already guys but thanks so much for listening be sure to get to us. Get at us on Twitter. Follow us at Carolina Talk Pod, at Jacob Turner, T H I. A A lot of polls on Carolina Talk Pod, a lot of voting you can do over there, a lot of interaction I'll try to do with with followers and stuff like that. So really appreciate it, guys. This podcast will be up on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, tune TuneIn, anywhere you want to find it, you can usually find this podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh figure we'd end it off with the uh, return of the Mac, just like we started it off. Couldn't be a more perfect song for a podcast like this, guys. So we'll see you next time.